Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. Again, I want to say thank you for uh, joining us here at Calvary. I'm glad to see you. It's great to see some uh, faces again. I'm glad that you've been able to join us today here in person in our service. I also want to thank those joining us online. I'm glad that you are worshiping with us today. Looking forward to what God's going to say today uh, as we move into this. I, I also want to reiterate what Josh said. Thank you for praying for us as uh, we've, we've all been kind of healing through the process. And we just thank you for your faithfulness and just a lot of shared love with us over the last several weeks. So thank you so much. As we go into this, continue through this series or continue through this season, uh, I get excited about just the Christmas season for a lot of ways. Um, I don't know if many of you have noticed. I hope it, it's showing up well on, on the TV today. But if you notice, the backdrop is just, just immaculate. They did such a great job. I love the picture and the, the idea of snow and all the words we're talking about. This is just an exciting season, and I'm excited to talk about uh, the things we're going to look at because the Word of God is has some powerful things to say about what, we're, what we experience through what we know of Jesus coming to this earth. But let me begin this way. Um, something interesting that I learned this week, uh, kind of maybe a bit of trivia perhaps, and some of you, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure something most of you don't know anything about, uh, and some of you perhaps really won't care after I tell you. But anyway, I want to tell you, tell you this truth anyway. I found out that in Finland, let me stop there. Anybody been to Finland here in the audience? No one here. Some of you online, maybe you're watching from Finland. I don't know. But in Finland, they take Christmas very seriously. There's a tradition that they have, and I thought this was very interesting. Uh, they've had this tradition since the 1300s. So we're talking about 700 years they have a, an annual tradition that they do at Christmas, and it's literally called the Declaring of the Christmas Peace. Now, in this uh, tradition that they do, on noon, Christmas Eve day, uh, people will gather in the square, and they will have a public declaration of peace, and it's usually one of the elected officials, and he'll stand down on a balcony, and he'll read this, this declaration, and it's uh, just a, the start, literally, of, of that, that season that they have on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day. And they, they show it on TV, they show it on radio, they listen to it on radio this year, of course, it's going to be virtual, and they, they live stream it and all that, but it's a very, a very, powerful, uh, very powerful thing that they do during this time. There's some, basically three elements. The words have changed a little bit over the last 700 years, but basically it's about uh, proclaiming the Christmas peace and wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, but sandwiched in between those two things, they give a very stern warning to anyone who would dare uh, threaten the peace during this Christmas season. L let me just read it for you because I think you'll find it kind of interesting. The Declaration of Christmas Peace, all right? So put yourself in Finland for this day and just listen to this. Tomorrow, God willing, is the graceful celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, and thus is declared a peaceful Christmas time to all. By advising devotion and to behave otherwise quietly and peacefully, because, now listen to this, he who breaks this peace and violates the peace of Christmas by any illegal or improper behavior, shall under aggravating circumstances be guilty and punished according to what the law and statutes prescribe for each and every offense separately. And then finally, a joyous Christmas feast is wished on all the inhabitants of the city. So Merry Christmas, right? Boy, they take it very seriously. But I think that's a, quite an appropriate introduction to the idea of, of the Christmas season. We talk about 
peace. Peace becomes a very important word as we look at the entrance of Jesus into this world. The journey that we're on here at Calvary, we started last week. Uh, we're walking through this season, and, and one of the words that we're looking at, many of you are familiar with the word Advent. Um, Advent's a word that, that relates to Christmas. Advent, by definition, uh, means arrival or something that's coming. And so with that word, they would have the, the surrounding words would be things like waiting, anticipation, expectation. Things would come when you know that something is, is coming. It's about to arrive, correct? So as we're, we're looking at these things to be anticipated, we come to the, uh, the understanding of Advent when it relates to Christmas. And it's, Advent's not just another word for Christmas. The, the, the picture that was painted to me, and I think find it very interesting, is, is Advent is basically a link between the past, the present, and the future. What we have in that arrival is the Old Testament uh, Jews, they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They were waiting, anticipating. Well, now we have the, the record of how the Messiah came to earth. And then, still today, we're waiting for the fact that Jesus is coming again, that Jesus will come for his children and, and restore all of this. So we have this present, uh, the past, present, and future all tied together with this idea of the anticipating an arrival, the, the idea of an, an advent. So what we're looking at in this particular series, characteristics of this Advent season, part of the, the uh, character of Jesus, but also the, the words that we see described within the story, are four words that we're looking at, the words hope, peace, and then we'll also look at the words joy and love. So last Sunday we looked at, at hope, today we talk about peace. I, I hope that some of you online and in person have been able to enjoy the, the, the Advent Reading Journal that we provided. We put it online a couple of weeks ago, and you can download it. And it just, every day, starting on Thanksgiving Day, right up to Christmas Day, there's a, there's a daily devotion that goes along with these four words. I found them to be very well written, very, uh, very interesting, and I hope that you would take advantage. We, we do have a few hard copies available for those that are in the service today, if you'd like one. But I hope you'll jump on this train and just kind of be a part. It, it's just kind of helps bring everything together. But we're looking at those, those particular words. Let me just review a little bit the word that we talked about last week. The word is hope. And there was actually a verse that I encouraged you to meditate on last Sunday and throughout this week. So let me remind you of that verse because it also ties into what we're talking about. Romans chapter 15, verse number 13. Apostle Paul says these words, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God of hope, and his prayer is that you will be able to overflow with hope. I found that word very, very powerful. It's not just that you have a minimum hope. I mean, that's okay. I got a little hope. I mean, we're talking an abundance. The word means exceeding, literally overflowing. He's praying for that to be a part of your life, that kind of hope. Well, that's a great prayer. But did you notice there's two things that he says that God needs to fill you with in order for this hope to happen, to be filled with, if you go back to that verse, to be filled with joy and peace as you trust in him. Now, we're going to talk about the first word next Sunday, but this week I want to specifically focus on that second word, the idea of peace. If you notice in that verse, the way that God is identified in verse 13 is he is called the God of hope. But if you go down to the end of that chapter, the last verse of chapter 15 of Romans, here's how God is identified. He is, it says that the God of peace be with you all. We have a God of hope 
We have a God of peace. These two words we're talking about are actually identifying characteristics of God himself. That is who God is. He's a God of hope. He's a God of peace. And so that introduces, but it also then takes us to where we're going to specifically talk about today. Rediscovering Christmas, and we're looking at having peace or finding peace in our struggles. We're going to talk about that word peace a lot today. Obviously, peace is not an unfamiliar term. We, we hear it, right? We, it's in culture. We, we say it from time to time. You know, what people all want world peace. People talk about that or peace out, man. You know, it's a kind of a, a word that we're familiar with, used in different ways. But it, it is a, what I find is people talk about it, use it a lot. But sadly, there seems to be a lot who, who never seem to experience this peace that they say so much about. Here's what we know. The world that we live in, I think few people would consider the earth and the culture in which we live in as a, a place of peace. I mean, we're in a world that's more known for war than for peace all, all around in, in, in different, different ways. Even just tomorrow, uh, here in America, we celebrate or we commemorate, I guess you, you would say, a particular anniversary, December 7th, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, right? So we, that's, that's just a part of one of the many wars that have happened over time. And, and just a piece of that, that's the, those are the kind of things that, that seem to be more prevalent in, in our culture. Things like war, environmental disasters, or racial tensions, political chaos all around us, uh, health issues, drug addiction, um, uh, pandemics, right? Those are all things that, that want to rob us of this peace that we talk so much about. That seems to be what's, what, what's more a, a part of our lives. And sometimes it's not even on such a global scale. We're talking like um, financial stress, uh, relational issues, uh, family feuds, if you want to call it that. I mean, most families seem to be more known for their, uh, as a, a war zone than they are a haven of peace, right? That's just, and, and so to, to talk about peace, and yet there seems to be so much around us, and then just the uncertainty of time and of what we're, we're going through and what's going to happen and, and other things, whether it's fear or doubt or, or just all of those things seem to want to take away the peace that we talk so, so highly about. Here's what I found. There is a, seems to be a general lack of peace, but a genuine desire for peace. I don't think there's any of us in this room that would say, I don't really don't want peace. I, I wouldn't, we want, we desire to understand that peace, but there also seems to be a, a lack. A, it, it, it seems to be, you know, something that's elusive to us in this, in this thing of peace. So when we talk about this word peace, we've got to understand what God is saying to us, what he is offering, what he is bringing through his son. And, and all of this comes through this, this advent, this story of Jesus coming, the arrival. Now, what we're doing in this series, each week we're talking, talking about different characters as, that are part of the, the Christmas narrative. Last Sunday, if you watch this online, we talked about a, uh, a Simeon and Anna, who was after, 40 days after Jesus, but we talked about how their hope was shown in, in their belief that the Messiah was coming. 
So today we're going to, as we talk about this word, we're going to talk about a, a group of individuals. Many of you, if you know the Christmas story at all, you'll recognize the, the shepherds as an important part. They're, they're right there at the nativity scene. You know, they're, they're there, right? So we understand the shepherds. But in that, I think we see, we're going to see some important ideas of peace. They were, they were you know, unlikely recipients of this, this great announcement of Jesus, and yet God chose them to be one of the few people who knew that he came that night. And they had this, we're, we're going to see this dramatic pause. So this is the part of the story that most of you are familiar with online or in here. But if you especially will be familiar with it, if you grew up like I did with a certain character by the name of Linus, remember him from Charlie Brown Christmas? And, uh, <laughs> and he's standing in there by Charlie Brown, and Charlie Brown goes, can anybody tell me, you know, what is, what is Christmas all about? And Linus takes his thumb out of his mouth and say. Hell, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And then he goes to the middle of the stage, says lights. Remember, if you've seen the, the, the show, right? But then he reads these next verses. Let me read them for you today because I want you to hear what, what God, how God introduced his son. Verse number 8 of Luke chapter number 2, the Bible tells us this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Many of you will recognize, or peace, goodwill to men. And then in the TV show, Linus says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he essentially drops the mic and walks off, right? So that, that's how it ends. But what a powerful passage of Scripture. In those few sentences, there is so much truth that we can learn and we can, we can understand. But I, as we dive in and we talk about this, this idea of peace, what are, you, what are we reading here is literally God's birth announcement of his son. It's a boy, God is saying. And there's no blue confetti or blue streamers. There's no you know, blue filling inside a cake. This is God's way of announcing that his son has come to this world. Think about what we saw here. If you, if you can put yourself in that, uh, uh, in that hillside or that countryside outside of Bethlehem, and, and you see in the middle of this night everything's going on as normal, and suddenly an angel appears. Now that's got to grab your attention, however that looks like. It was something that they would have identified him as an angel. There probably was some kind of brightness, something that identified him as different. He begins to speak, and then before long he's joined by, depending on your version, a multitude of heavenly beings. Um, some of the version, one version even says the armies of heaven. So we're talking one angel is joined by many angels and they, they form this, if you want, a, some kind of a choir, some kind of an event. Can, can you just try to picture that it's, it's magnificent, it's terrifying, it's exciting, it's, it's scary all at the same time. I mean, as the sky lights up with this angel and this multitude of angels, and then think about what you would hear. We, we have an angel, he starts and he gives his speech about the, the baby coming. Then when he's joined by the army, it says that they all begin to declare praise. 
Now, we often assume that they sang. The Bible doesn't say that necessarily, but we kind of assume that this was a, a song of some sort as they're declaring praise. That's how we, we usually do it in church. We're singing the praises of the angels, right? Um, but whatever it was, we've got to think about, this is an angel joined by many angels all declaring praise. This couldn't have been quiet. It, it couldn't have been. It wasn't like they were whispering praises to God. My thought is, and, and I don't know the answer, was anybody else that could hear this? Was this just something the shepherds, or were there people in Bethlehem going, anybody hear that? <laughs> what, what is that sound? They're, they're being talked to the shepherds, but this had to be an, this monstrous praise to God for all that he was going to do. But then let's not skip too fast past the audience itself. I mean, here's... God doing this dramatic announcement of his son and this with angelic hosts giving all this glory. I mean, these people had to be influential, powerful people, right? I mean, this had to be a king or a queen or some kind of a, a ruler. No, they're shepherds. Nothing, nothing truly too exciting about the, the shepherds. I mean, they're, they're just ordinary guys doing their night shift job out in the, out in the countryside. And yet... There's rulers just down the road that weren't invited to this party. There are people that, that just not too far away that didn't get the same announcement. And it wasn't because the angels got the wrong address. This is the ones that God chose to hear. He chose these shepherds, the, the ordinary guys out in the field, to be, be the ones that heard this. I, I, I honestly think often as, as I read this that God is, in a sense, he's kind of flipping the script, if you would. That's how we would say it. He's, if we were throwing this party for the coming king, we would invite the most powerful, you know, we would, we would make it the, the social event of the year, and yet God is showing us that this is, this is different. I'm coming to, to, to show yourself to people, and I have a, I, I'm not coming to, to make this political statement. I'm coming to the, the people that exist. It, it's us that are around, correct? Have you ever asked yourself, why the shepherds? Why did God choose a shepherd? I, and I'm sure there are several possible reasons. Let me give you a couple that I was thinking about. Think about this, for instance. The Bible itself, the, the theme of shepherds is weaved all the way from the beginning as significant. The, the patriarchs, we call them, the guys who God uh, used to, to start his family, the, the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's sons, they were all shepherds. So that, that's how it all, it all began with shepherds. There's another guy you might recognize. His name was Moses, right? When, he, when God calls him, what was he doing? He was out in the middle of the desert being a shepherd when God appeared to him. One of the, the greatest king that Israel would, would probably note is, is a guy by the name of David. And if you know his story, he started off as a, a shepherd. So you see this weave, this, this idea of shepherds being significant from the beginning all the way through the scriptures. But, but let's also think God himself referred to himself in the Old Testament. What's one of our favorite scriptures? The Lord is my shepherd, right? God showed himself as one who, who cares for his people as a shepherd does for his flock. And then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd, right? Again, the care, and the, he, he says, and I care for, for, for my sheep. You look Old Testament and New Testament. Often when God would, would call leaders, he would refer to those leaders in whatever their capacity as shepherds of his people. The idea of taking care. There was a significance of this, this portrayal, this picture of being a, a shepherd. But 
I really think there's, there's one very significant part of this idea of shepherds, and that is that these shepherds, they, they just represent every man. They're just ordinary people. Again, God has flipped the script. It's not getting the most influential, the ones that can, there's nothing that anyone could offer. So he comes to those who are just ordinary people. And doesn't that kind of add to the the story of Christmas itself? I mean, how did he bring in this baby? Well, you've got a poor carpenter guy named Joseph and his his peasant teenage wife, uh, Mary, why not throw in some shepherds who are who are really no one else really knows too much about perhaps you know it's it's a, it seems to fit the whole narrative of how god is saying i don't it, there's nothing you can offer me i'm not coming to those who have something i'm coming to those who are willing to admit maybe they don't have much and they're willing to just accept what god is some of the people in this world have the hardest trouble just accepting the free gift of god because they say oh there's got to be strings attached or my ego is not going to take anything for free i've got to and and Yet God is saying, I just, I just call people that, that I want to use and are willing to accept what, what I have. These are just every ordinary shepherds, and that's who God called us. It is us. Well, let's go back to verse 14 a second. This is the, the verse we're going to focus on. When those angels spoke, they said, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor Rest. Now, we're going to talk about peace, but let's not skip over that first part too quickly. The, the response of these angels to what that one angel had just said, kind of sharing what this is all about. I mean, you think about all that's represented in Christmas, past, present, and future, all that was happening there that night. There's really nothing more appropriate than just saying glory to God. The fact that, that this, this was the most amazing fact that God was going to do this in the, in the, in the world, and he brings this glory to God beyond much of anything else we could ever express. In fact, there's a song you all are pretty familiar with that, that is basically this phrase. We sing it at Christmas a lot of times. Remember the glory, you know, in excelsis Deo. That simply says, glory to God in the highest. Why? That's, it's still appropriate for us to say the same thing the angel said that night. I mean, when you think of what God is doing here, and he's doing it for us, glory to God. What else, what, what more appropriate phrase could you use than glory to God? But as we walk through this, I want to see these connections of this statement to the shepherds and how it affects the peace that we're looking for in our world and, and even in this, in this room we're watching today. Let me just start with the obvious. And I do mean obvious, and this is it. Peace has come to the earth. That's what this phrase says. Peace has come to the earth. Glory to God and on earth, peace. Think about those last three words, on earth, peace. Is that how we would describe What's going on on earth? Peace? Even at the time that it was written here to the Romans, in this time of the Romans uh, over the Jews, would they consider that peace? Then and now, most of us, as we've said already, are more familiar with war and conflict rather than the, the idea of peace. Let me share with you a, a wonderful word. It's actually a, a Jewish word that you still will hear today. Uh, you, you can find it portrayed in the Old Testament. It's, that's the word shalom. Anybody heard that? Someone say that to you? It's a, it's a very powerful word. It's used kind of as a greeting. 
uh, shalom, but it's more than just, hi, how you doing? There's something deep. And shalom is also, it's, the word it's, by definition means peace, but it's more than just a, a peace treaty, like the war is over. It actually has these kind of words involved. It means well-being or health or prosperity, security, soundness, completeness. When you, when you express shalom to someone, you're saying, this is what I wish for you. I wish for you to have wholeness and, and peace in life. I wish you truly to have this kind of a blessing. And that word shalom, that concept carries over into what, as we're introduced to this peace through, through Jesus. But I find it kind of interesting, and, and I want to share this with you. There, when, when we talk about the Roman Empire that the Jews were under at that point, when all this was written and where this was, the place where this was written, the, the Roman Empire was actually experiencing something, something pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, historians refer to it as the Pax Romana. I don't know if you've heard that word. It literally means the Roman peace. And it was a time in which most of the Roman Empire felt as if, you know, we are, we are at peace. We, we're, things are going well. We feel secure. We've kind of got our comfort going. And they expressed this in the, in the Roman peace, the Pax Romana. Now, why that's interesting to this particular story is history tells us that the, the emperor that actually introduced and kind of began this Roman peace was a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus. Which if you go back to verse number 1 of chapter 2 of Luke, you'll find that the, the timeline is set that Caesar Augustus is the one who makes this declaration and bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. So I just find it kind of interesting that when they introduce this peace, we're talking, they're familiar with the peace that Augustus brought. In fact, the Romans were so, they considered Caesar Augustus to be basically a hero in what he was doing. In fact, many of them considered him to be a god. They deified him because of what he has done. But what I find interesting is you look in history with all this Roman peace that they talk about, and, and it lasted for roughly 200 years. We're into, to, to, into the second century now. We're, we're, we're looking at, at this Roman peace, and yet the truth is Rome was at war the whole time. The, the, the fact is they were constantly either in conquest or trying to defend their borders but there was in a constant state of this of warfare. Now, some of the people, many of the people, they were far enough removed that they didn't recognize that they were, but the truth is, there was no actual peace. In fact, one man said it this way, the absence of war doesn't guarantee the presence of peace. Just because you're not feeling like the conflict is really that bad right now or even here doesn't mean that peace is present. And that's what the Romans, they had this, this idea that they were at peace when in actuality there was, there was war all, all around them. I mean, it may not have been real prominent, but as far as you, their peace was a, 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 a temporary at the very, very least. One of their philosophers, and I, I'm going to put his quote up on the screen, I think he expressed a very important truth. He said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. Notice this. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. It may look like peace, be peaceful, at least right now, but the truth is he can't give us the peace that we truly long for. The peace that Augustus offered, it may seem really good for a political statement, but the truth was it was it was temporary. It was, uh, it was fragile. 
It was, it was not even really that real. It was just a, a symbol of peace. But let's take it forward about 2,000 years. And we have a lot of people around us watching, listening, we living around that they have this idea that as long, if, the, if there's no conflict, then that means peace. And if I'm not currently at war, then I must be at peace. And we know that that, that, that kind of peace is very fragile. It really is not the peace that we're yearning for. So when Jesus is introduced, and they say peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests, what we're talking about is a different kind of peace. It's not a peace that's reflected on whether there's a, a fight going on. It's a peace that is, is different. It's a peace on the inside. It's a peace of our, of our heart. It's resilient peace. It's, it's permanent peace. It's genuine peace. And I think we find it introduced in this proclamation from the angels. If you go back to verse number 10, this peace comes because the angel said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He said, I got good news for you shepherds. God's got, a, got a, something he wants you to hear. The Messiah has come, the one we've been looking for. He's here, the Lord, but they identify him as their Savior. Something very specific about that. You see, you can't know peace until you understand a peace from something that all of us are, are a part of, something that's universally an issue, and that is without a peace from our sin, without a peace from, without that being settled, we'll never know this peace that we yearn for. So when he became the Savior, you see, I think that's another reason. We talked about some reasons why God chose to call the shepherds at this point. Because the shepherds, the sheep were, they're just animals, right? But they had a very important part in the Jewish system. The Jewish religious system had a sacrificial system in which on daily basis, lambs were brought as sacrifice sins. Once a year, there was a Passover lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the people. So these shepherds would have known that. In fact, many believe that these particular shepherds that close to Bethlehem may have been the, the shepherds designated to be the ones that care for the Passover lambs that would be sacrificed and the ones that would specifically watching that Passover lamb who had to be without blemish for that one great, gracious time of year. So they, these, these shepherds would have known about this, the idea of a lamb and coming and a sacrifice. So it's all so significant when John introduces Jesus in John chapter 1, he says, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus coming, bringing peace, wasn't just he's offering us a, you know, some kind of a, a peaceful existence. He is offering us a, a salvation. He is the Savior who came, and by his, his ultimate, his death, being the Lamb of God, his death and his burial and his resurrection, he gave his life for us so that we could know this peace. So when Jesus came as the peace, he came bringing something that we all need, we all long for, but can only come when our sin that separates us from God is dealt with. Some people have trouble with that. They, they think, I don't, I don't understand. In, in fact, Romans 5.1, here's how Paul puts it. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. 
See, some people struggle with this. They don't think, I, I don't understand why I'm not, I'm right with God. I, I've not done anything really that bad to, to make him that mad at me. Or uh, I, I, think, I think I'm not as bad as someone else, you know, or perhaps. And the, the fact is, God is saying all of us are, are born not right with God. Our sin separates us. And it's only through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God that we can have peace with God. You can't know that this peace that we long for unless you, first of all, have your sins forgiven through the Savior, Jesus Christ, and you can accept his peace. Here's how Colossians put it. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's in Jesus, and through him he's to reconcile all, himself to all things, uh, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by, look at this, making peace through his blood on the cross. Jesus' sacrifice for us was the way we can have peace. Jesus came to bring peace, but it came because he came as the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. So I've got an obvious question to ask all of you listening today. Do you have peace with God? Are you currently experiencing peace with God? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you have the confident assurance that you are one of God's children, that you've been forgiven, that you the guilt is gone because you have received that, that gift of salvation. Do you have peace with God? That, all peace begins right there. Without that, that element of peace, we'll never know peace. And I hope that before this day's over, that is available, it is available, that it's relevant for everyone in, in, that's listening this morning. But let me go on. If you do know that peace, then this next part that we're talking about, this is something that we can experience. If we know peace with God, then we can understand this next phrase. And as we're talking about it, here's what we'll, how we'll say it. Peace comes in the middle of our struggles. I want to say that again because it, it, it's tough. Peace comes in the middle of our difficult times and our struggles and our, our issues. Now, I can say that pretty easily, and I can say I believe that pretty much, but that's a, that's a difficult one to, to accept sometimes. Just, just to be personal with you, I, I, I struggle with peace sometimes, often more times than I want to experience because the, I, I, here's what I know, and, and some of you would identify. When we think of peace, we think that means the storm is over, that the, tr- the trouble has stopped. Where, where as long as everything's brewing, then that's not peace. But, but once God puts a stop to it, then, or whenever it comes to an end, then that's where we have peace. We, we may say it even today, Lord, just stop this. Just bring this to an end. Put us back to normal. What's the word we're using, right? Because that's when we'll find peace. But understand, what, we're, what God is saying is there are peace that we can have in the middle of those struggles. Even while the struggles are still going on, God offers us peace. Even in this season, we talk about goodwill to men, right? Peace, goodwill. And yet this seems to be a season that's almost, that doesn't exist. Think some of the words that often come around Christmas, you know, frantic and busy and hectic, right? But maybe that's not even just Christmas for you. Maybe that's just life. It just seems to be kind of a turmoil, kind of a, an absence of, of peace. We, we've already mentioned some ideas of, of the world around us, but maybe it's an overloaded schedule. Maybe it's a, 
a, an issue in, in a relationship that, that seems to be robbing of the peace. Maybe it's, it, it's the fact of a lost job or where are we going to get the next, our next meal. All of those things could be a potential of taking this peace. And, that's, and if we would just stop, then we could have peace. But the truth is God offers for those who have peace with him to even be have, a, have peace in the middle of all of these, all of these struggles. Uh, in the world around us, most of us would say peaceful wouldn't be one of our top words we'd use to describe where we're living. But God says, no matter what's happening around us, as his children, we can know peace. In fact, Jesus, Jesus said something I think it's incredible. John 14 and verse 27. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now those are powerful words. Jesus leaving us peace. But I don't want you to miss the context here. Jesus says this on a very important night. It would be the night that ultimately he's going to be betrayed by his friend and and imprisoned, arrested, and then ultimately he would die on the cross. So I don't know that of knowing that circumstance and him knowing what's coming, if you would call that a peaceful event. And yet he said, I give you peace. In fact, we keep on going down the same conversation, uh, chapter 16. Um, in the, it's the same night, but he continues his conversation. He says this in chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Peace. But now don't miss this next phrase. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. Please notice that he didn't say peace will come and I'll, take, I'll stop the trouble or I'll take you out of the trouble. He said that while you're in this world full of trouble, I still will give you peace. There is peace no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing. It comes from this peace that was introduced on that night in Bethlehem. What does peace in difficult times look like? Well, let me share it this way. Peace is not the absence of trouble or conflict or war. Peace is the presence of God with us during the trouble or, tru- or, or struggle or war. It's the fact that God is with us. There's a very, I think, poignant example Jesus gave us just in his life. Mark chapter number 4 tells the story of Jesus getting into a boat with his disciples. They'd been... Uh, teaching, he's been teaching all day, they've been working, they get in a boat and go across the Sea of Galilee. And, and the, the Bible tells us that while they're traveling, a storm breaks out. And it's not just a, you know, a little bit of a, I mean, this, the, depending on your version, describes a boisterous winds, describe ferocious winds, however it talks. And in fact, the water's coming into the boat to, to the effect that they are sinking. That's the word that's used. They are, they're going down, right? This is a horrendous storm. But for those of you who know the story, where is Jesus? What is Jesus doing during all of this? He's asleep. He's in the bottom of the boat sleeping through all of this. And you say, well, he was just tired. You try to sleep on a small boat in the middle of that kind of a storm. What you see is peace. 
It's not peace because the storm is over. It's peace knowing that that storm really is not affecting me because there's somebody else in control of this storm. So I can just have peace and I can rest. Now he gets up after the disciples wake him and he goes and he says, all right, be quiet. You can see him rubbing his eyes and saying, just be quiet. And the storm goes, the storm is over. Now that's what I want, right? God, I'm in the middle of this, so just stop it. That would be great. And he can No matter what we're going through, what we're facing, God could stop the storm, put everything back. That's possible. But then he says, guys, where's your faith? Because the truth is, even while the storm's going on, I'm still God. I'm still in control. There's this old song that I remember that said this. Sometimes Jesus, he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his child in the middle of that storm. And, and that's what we're talking about. This peace that Jesus brought is a peace that starts when we have peace with God. And once you have peace with God, you can have peace not only in, in spite of, but you can have it during the storm that you're going through, during the, the trouble that you're in. And you say, but pastor, you just don't understand what I'm going through. And I would say, I know I don't. I don't know how bad it hurts. I don't know the, the, the pain. I don't know the, 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 how unfair it all seems. I don't. We each will experience things in a different way. So I'm not saying that I, I think in any way minimizing what you're going through, the circumstances, the issues of life. I, I understand that, that we're, we're all going to experience it. Here's what I, I want you to know, that that same peace, though, no matter the peace that God's talking about, it actually defies the circumstances. It's actually bigger than the trouble that we're going through. God wants to guard our, our hearts from being, by, by pulling on more wounds, guard our, guards our minds from anxiety. He, that's what God wants to take and defy the issues that we're struggling with to bring peace. But what I've also learned is I have a part in experiencing this peace. God brings peace with him. I, I'm one of his kids, and he has his peace available, but there is some, there, there's a part that he's shown me, and this is becoming, I'm learning this. I've heard this verse all of my life. Many of you have been in church have heard it as well, but I'm learning just how powerful it really is. It's found in the book of Philippians, chapter number four, and it describes a very important process. Verse number six, here's what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything is what he's saying. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, we call that prayer, but just think about what he's talking about. You have these worries. You have these anxieties. Rather than worry about them, take them to someone else. It reminds me of what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He said, cast all your anxiety, all your cares on him because why? He cares for you. You stop and you take what you're going through and you present it to God and you're not going to find that he's out or that he's busy or that he doesn't care. He's listening. You take and you present it. There's something that in this, it seems almost too simple, but God says, trust me, take and present your request to me. Take your anxieties, cast them on God. And then look at verse 7 of Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word transcends. I love that word. It's the word literally means it goes beyond. Your verse may say it passes, it surpasses all understanding. It Literally, it's, it's not illogical to have peace in the middle of a storm. It's ultralogical. It's trusting in a logic beyond mine. It it's defies logic. It defies the circumstances. It goes beyond what I can understand, and it's a peace. 
in the middle of a storm that guards my heart, that guards my mind, that will, but it, it begins when I take what's troubling me and I present it to the one who's in charge and I present it to the one who can do something. And, I, and it doesn't mean that the circumstance necessarily changes doesn't mean that the trouble goes away. He does, never promises that that, it, that, that that ends it. And you say, God, change this. God, fix this. And God does what I think is most important. And he stops it all. It's not about that. It's in the middle of this. No matter what, whether he stops it or not, I can have a peace that transcends my understanding, that transcends how I can figure it out. We know that peace has come to earth. And if we've experienced that peace, that that we can have peace that's in the middle of our troubles, our difficult times. But there's one last thing I want you to see about peace today, and that's that peace is a person. Peace isn't a a contract. It's not a treaty. It's not a, a stopping of all the problems. Peace is a person. And it's been introduced that way throughout the Scriptures. In fact, it's as you look through the from Old to New Testament, we're talking about peace is not the absence of, of trouble. Peace is not a release from your problems. Peace is a relationship with God. It's as you're growing in this relationship, it's, it's a person that you're going to find your peace. And, and that peace, we, we talk about a peace with God that comes through Jesus. You, that's where it starts. And then we have this peace of God that it speaks of here. We also know peace to be referred to as a fruit of the Spirit. It's a result of your relationship with God. Galatians chapter 5, we love, joy, peace. It's a result of that ongoing, that growing relationship with him. It's a person that is peace. It's not just a, a feeling or an emotion. It is a person, and is, uh, Jesus is that, is that person. If you go back to the Old Testament, remember we talked about that word shalom for just a moment, right? Shalom, completeness, prosperity, success. I, I hope that for you. Well, it's interesting, one of the words, one of the names God is referred to in the Old Testament takes that word shalom. Some of your, the King James Version says um, in Judges, it referred to him as Jehovah Shalom. Some of the translations would say Yahweh Shalom, putting those two words together. But many of the translations and the exact definition is simply this, the Lord is peace. The, the, he's a per, peace is a person. The Lord is peace. Is peace. So when you, we see this idea of this baby and the, and the angels introduce him on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests, we're talking about a person is peace. This person is not just bringing peace, he is peace. He's coming to this earth to bring peace with his father and to bring peace in whatever, his peace is Jesus himself. Paul actually said that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul said, for Christ himself is our peace. Long before Jesus was born, there was an Old Testament prophet that talked about Jesus coming. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God. Look at the last three words, same with me. Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. He is the ruler of peace. He is not just only the bringer of peace. He's the embodiment of peace. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus who came to give us peace with his Father and from his Father. What, what we know is when it says, For unto us a child is born, son is given, that's the prince of peace. 
Jesus brings that peace through his death when we, and resurrection when we receive his Father. But, but here's, what, here's what I know, just personal, personal adaptation of this whole thing is, I, as I struggle sometimes with my own peace, and, and each of us struggle in different ways, and peace is one of those that I think affects us differently. Sometimes people are more affected by circumstances. That kind of robs of peace. Those things bother me, but that's not as big. Peace in my problem, the problem that I have is peace up here. I'm a person that thinks about things a lot. I I, I contemplate stuff. So things, circumstances, trouble, yes. But then even when the circumstance is over, my mind's still racing. And I'm thinking, and I'm getting into my head. And I'm thinking, I'm a failure. I'm inadequate. I can't do this. And in my own head, there's a robbing of that peace. And here's what I'm learning, and I'm saying I'm learning it, because it's even in the last few months and and years of my life that this verse that I've heard all of my life is starting to make sense. It works, folks. You take this, the prayer that he says, you you lift up your prayer, you take and cast your care, and you leave it there with him. does Does it change the circumstance? Maybe, maybe not. But what it does is it brings peace. Even this past week, this verse came alive. I, I often walk around our, our neighborhood, our town, and I'm, I'm walking early one morning, and I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out loud talking about the. So if you see me early in the morning, I'm talking to myself. You know, don't, don't think I'm crazy. I am, but that's not why I'm talking to myself. But you understand, I'm walking around, I'm, I'm having this conversation, and the troubles I'm going through my mind, and God says, dude, what's the verse that you're going to share with the folks this Sunday? Have you taken those things and specifically just given them to me? I hate it when I preach to myself. That's a scary position. And so now I start this whole process, and it's not just God help me in this. It's God help me, and I put a a situation there. I put a face there. I put a name there. I said, God, I don't know how to handle this. God, I don't know what to do. I I need wisdom, or I need compassion, or I need patience. And I I started, and and I'm walking, and a couple miles later, I get home, and me and the dog, we're dancing, dude. I'm having a great time because the circumstance is still the same, But God has filled my heart with peace. I promise you, I encourage you, that whatever you're going through, whatever you may go through this week, first of all, do you know that you have peace with God? If so, then do you know that God is offering peace with him? We we have this, I don't understand it, I can't begin to explain how it happens, but God promises this, and and he does. Here's when Jesus came, let me share this as we wrap it up. He, He gave his disciples this wonderful invitation. Matthew chapter 11, listen to what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know what that is? That's an invitation to peace. Saying, where, where are you lacking peace? <laughs> Come to me. I, I, I offer rest. I offer peace. I offer something that you will never be able to, to gather on your own. Here's the truth that I want you to leave with today. Peace is available for us because the Prince of Peace is with us. When the baby came, Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace is here. Whatever you're going through, As his child, the Prince of Peace is with you. The ruler of peace is right beside you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Peace is here. It is available for you. So let me just encourage you. Look to the Prince of Peace this week, whatever that means. 
For some listening today, either in person or online, that may mean the fact you recognize I don't have that genuine peace with God. I've I, I not truly received his gift of forgiveness, and I, and I experience that because I just can't, I, I can't experience that peace. I, I may be, war may be over once in a while, but there's still a lack of peace Today, I encourage you, wherever, wherever you've been, whatever you know, if you have questions, I'd love to talk with you about them. But today, you can simply say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner, and I recognize that. And I, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me, and I ask you to save me. I want to know peace with you. Would you do that today? Would you start that journey by knowing God, the God of peace? For those of you who do know God, I encourage you to look to the Prince of Peace. Whatever you are currently facing, whatever you will face, the people that you interact with, come, just understand that their peace is here. He's with you. He hasn't, he hasn't nor ever will he leave you. He is the Prince of Peace. And when the winds blow and the storms are raging, you can still have peace through Jesus Christ. Peace on earth has come for you. So I want to leave you with a prayer that Paul said to the Thessalonians, his friends. And, and I hope that's, this is what I pray for you today, and I hope that you will experience this. He says very simply, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. And in every way, and how is that possible? The Lord be with all of you. I pray for your peace as you experience and recognize the presence of God in your life. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. I encourage you to take what you've heard today about peace and whatever God is speaking to you that you, you share it back with him in, in a prayer today. Maybe your prayer is, God, I'm, I recognize I need this peace in my life. I, I need your forgiveness. I want to know you. God, save me. Forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Please change my life. Maybe that's where your starts. Or as a child of God, whatever your, your, your mind is working through right now, you take that and you cast it to God and say, God, I can't handle this, but I know you can. And, and let him bring transcending peace into your life. Father, we've talked about peace today and it's a peace that I believe everyone in this room desires to have. And I pray for any that may be missing out on that peace, whatever that means in their life today, may it start. Maybe it's receiving Christ as Savior or, or just turning their problems to you and, and trusting that you, you're in control, changing their perspective. Maybe it's when trouble comes knocking, when the, the doubts and the fears and the insecurities come that they say, hey, Jesus, why don't you answer that door? Let peace take over their lives, God, please. I pray that they find peace in knowing your presence is real with them today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes remain closed. We're going to sing a song in, in just a moment, and I hope it will be a song that kind of brings all this together for you. Some of you will recognize it. The, the lyrics say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
my prayer is today that it is well with your soul. And if it isn't at this moment, that you'll spend these next few moments in prayer to God so that you can, you can exit this, this service with the peace of God, making it well with your soul today. So to spend some time praying to him. If you have questions, again, let me know, and I'd love to, to pray with you.